Stay tuned for the Wine Crush podcast, where winemaker stories are uncorked. Wine Crush is supported by Country Financial Insurance. Welcome to Wine Crush, where winemakers tell the stories behind the vine. I'm your host, Heidi Moore. Glad to have you here for the seventh episode of Wine Crush. Thanks for joining us on Portland Radio Project. Today, we'll hear two new and fascinating wine stories, the first from a winery who honors their family heritage, and the second will feature another family winery located in the Chehalem Mountains of Oregon. First here from Quelo Winery is Dave Quelo. Thanks, Dave, for coming all the way out from Amity to join us. Great, Heidi. Thank you for having me. I'm looking forward to this. Good. I'm really glad you decided to drive and brave the traffic all the way out here to Portland. Friday afternoon. (laughs) And the drive home should be even better. Yeah. Yes. So I've known you for quite a while and have never really known the background and the heritage of the meaning of Coilo. So I'm going to have you kind of rewind to the beginning and tell us how you got to the valley and we'll kind of go from there. Okay, sounds good. Well, first of all, the last name is Coelho. It's my grandfather's name, obviously, and my dad's. Uh, it's a Portuguese heritage. The name is actually translate in Portuguese to rabbit. And therefore on our on our logo, our label is the bunny rabbit that we have. And so that's kind of where it started from. We're actually from the San Joaquin Valley of California. We've been moved up here almost 30 years ago. Uh, my wife and I and our four children moved up here. We were farmers down there in the valley. We picked out just beautiful little spot here in the Willamette Valley outside of Amity. It's just gorgeous little setting, and that's where we make our home now. Yeah, where you're at is really a beautiful setting. When you came up here from California, though, you didn't start in the wine business. You that's started correct. somewhere else. Yes, that's right. I started farming local there with the guy that we bought the property from. And then we moved on. Then I started really in the wine part of it up here in Oregon was with Myron Redford at Amity Vineyards. That's kind of what uh, cemented the idea of planting grapes and knew Oregon was great for Pinot Noirs. Us being from the farm background in San Joaquin Valley, we had about a 40-acre block of land, and that was our, our dream was to put vines on it. And 11, 12 years later, we were able to do that. But, yeah, we just started working odd jobs. I did start another construction-type business. It's a specialty vacuum business. I did that in California between my farming and and moving to Oregon, and uh, we brought that business up here as well. So I operated the vineyard and the business, uh, Orvac business was the name of the company. So it did a, a lot of specialty vacuum applications. We worked for contractors, the steel mills, paper mills, lumber mills, and, and all that. So along, we did both of those at the same time. And But I knew eventually that was, I wanted to stay in the agriculture part and refocus. And now we're 100% into the wine and growing all of our own grapes, estate fruit. So that's a big difference going from construction on one side and multitasking with vineyard and wine on the other side. How was the balance of that and why did you eventually decide on the wine? Was that the dream all along from California up here? Well, I wouldn't say it was a dream. I mean, I, we wanted to relocate and, you know, be in the, similar to an area where my wife and I were raised in the San Joaquin Valley and California just was growing leaps and bounds. The Bay Area was expanding uh, so we wanted to really just raise our children kind of in the same environment that we were raised in a far- rural farm setting. But no, the grapes didn't come. That wasn't the primary reason we moved up here. What really was once we started working, once I started working in the industry, it was like, wow, this is what we want to do. We still wanted to have our hands in agriculture. 
But being a small 40-acre block of land, we couldn't grow commercial crops like we did in California. Just, you know, you couldn't do it with that small of acreage. Sure. So it was like specializing. What could we do to specialize in agriculture? And, you know, the wine, that was right where it fell into was the wine, growing the grapes and, and making the wine. Well, it's become more than just you and Dialinda, your wife. It's become an entire family operation in Amity with the wine and other things. Correct. Yeah, we've kind of, you know, all of our four children went through the whole program in, in Amity. It was, you know, 1,200 people. They went through the K through 12. Uh, they've all graduated, went on and got degrees, went to colleges. And Dylan and I, we put all, 100% of our attention in our community there. We've, you know, she sat on what we call Amity Dig, a downtown improvement group. we just seen that this little town is just a gorgeous little town. And with the wine and the Yola Hills coming down, you know, right into the little town. It was just a real perfect fit for us. Yeah. I love hearing the family story, and we'll touch a little bit more on Amity here in just a second. You're listening to the PRP Podcast Co-op on Portland Radio Project at 99.1 in the heart of Portland and streaming worldwide at prp.fm. So we were just talking about Amity and why you made your home there and, and how you kind of came up from California with the family. So why is Amity a great place to make wine? Well, first of all, we grow our grapes outside of town, about three miles south of town, which is a nice little location. At the time when we decided to make the wine, we didn't want to have the wine in our home where we were raising our four kids. They were younger and uh, we found the building right downtown was built in 1930s. It was the old hardware store. It was just, and it was vacant, so it was a great spot for us to set up the winery there. Yeah. And it's, it's just a good little community for that, right on off the main Highway 99. It was really nice. Sure, it's a nice hub, you know, south of McMinnville before you get into, you know, Rick Real and kind of the Van Duzer area, which, again, we will talk about in a little bit. Your wine, though, is is unique. You ha- You take some of your heritage and your background and those nuances and you put it into your wine so tell me what why and how and what makes them different okay Uh, well you know we're a portuguese family and all portuguese out in the islands they all make one or two barrels of wine i wouldn't say it's a real commercial grade wine but that's kind of where where it stemmed out from our family but no we have three different vineyards that we source our fruit that are all estate fruit we have a mcminnville ava we have Eola Amity AVA, and we have our home place, which will soon be the, the Van Duzer Corridor AVA. So I feel it's a nice fit because we can cover all those bases of the, of the sub-AVAs of the Willamette Valley. Are you just doing Pinot then, or are you expanded into some of the other varietals as well? Yeah, we most of it's Pinot Noir. Uh, we do some Pinot Gris, which is a state. We have a, start, a state Chardonnay as well. Uh, we do source some fruit from California the Iberian varietals, which we make a Portuguese blend or red blend that we make out of six different varietals of grapes. And originally we brought that fruit up because we're like, again, Portuguese family, we love our port wines. So that was where we started. The initial port was from the, the Toriga Nacional varietals of the real Portuguese ports, what they make them out of. Yeah. I keep hearing rumors of how amazing this port is. And for whatever reason, I live two miles away and I never seem to make it to the tasting room. So we need to just make me a date and come down and really get a good glimpse of it. So with having the the varietals that you're using for port, I mean, what is that doing compared to like using something from the valley? Uh, they're just a bigger you know, Bordeaux type varietals. Uh, and for port wines, I think that's, that's really the, the desirable fruit for that. Got it. 
as far as like your fruits and what you're sourcing and the wines themselves, is it all a state or are you sourcing from other growers around the region other than the Californians? Yeah, no, it's, it's all a state fruit. We have around 50 acres of planted vines that we source all of, or it all comes from our estate fruit. Yeah. And tell me, why is that so special? I mean, I know it is, but why to those that really don't know why a state fruit is so special? Yeah, well, a state fruit, I mean, for the listeners might not know, but a state, actually, when it's on the bottle, that means that the, the winery is in control of the fruit. It's not like you're going out to another grower and buying fruit, which a lot of the wineries do have control when they buy from other uh, sources as well. But since we take care of the fruit from uh, the vines from the beginning all the way to the bottle, it, you know, it just, we're more hands-on on everything on, on the fruit and we can control exactly the way we want it to be controlled and crop yields and, and what, you know, so on. So that way you're really keeping control of the quality from really from second one all the way through, you know, growth, production, bottling, fermenting, and all the way, you know, from start to finish. Yeah, that's correct. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's pretty unique, especially with that many varieties to be able to have a state fruit, um, well, I, yeah, and I think it's really more more unique to have the three different sub AVAs, you know, that we're in control of those three things. All of our vineyards, they run anywhere between 250 foot elevation to 350 foot between the three sub AVAs. You know, the, 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 our home place is mostly sedimentary soil. Uh, the Ola Hills is more uprisen volcanic with some sedimentary in it. Uh, deeper rocks down underneath, and then the McMinnville is some Wetzel soil. Uh, again, it's pushed up from volcanic activity with some sedimentary as well. But as far as it's really neat to compare the three because they're all pretty much similar at the same elevation. Yeah, I'm really interested to hear a little bit more of the AVAs and how it's affecting the wine. So when we come back, we're going to chat a little bit more about the AVAs, and you can tell me what it does to the wine. All right, great. Thank you. Support for Wine Crush comes from Country Financial Insurance, offering simple steps today to solve big problems tomorrow. For more, go to countryfinancial.com. So we left off the last segment talking about the AVAs, but we forgot to mention the beautiful bottle of Pinot that you brought from one of those estate AVAs. So I'm going to let you talk about the wine that you've been so kind to share with us. And tell us why and what, and then we can get back into the AVA conversation, and and you can tell us what the different AVAs and locations do to the wine. Okay. Yeah, the one we're tasting now is from our Delfino Vineyard, which is in the McMinnville AVA. It's just west of McMinnville, below the erratic rock. It's just on a nice little knob there. It really produces dark blue fruit. I mean, we really noticed the blue fruit in it. And compared to some of our, you know, the, the Van Duzer one or even Eola Hill. And it's just the soil type. It's like I said earlier, it has some uh, sedimentary soil, but underneath it's just a lot of rock, a lot of volcanic rock under there. And I think it just, and it cool, the temperature in that area is warm during the days, but it cools off tremendously at night. And I think it really reflects nice on this, on the terroir of, that vineyard. As I said, this really kind of lends nicely to the ideology of terroir and how the elevation and soil and whatever else really lends to the fruit and the feel of the wine as it's produced. Yeah, that's correct. I mean, the terroir, a lot of people think that maybe it's just the soil, but it's actually the whole growing environment of the vines themselves between the winds and the sun and the orientation of the vines, soil as well, just a lot of factors that play into it. Which yeah. We're it's, really happy with this, with this site. It's produced really nice fruit for us. It's really unique that you are producing wine, state wine, from three specific AVAs because the Van Duzer is just 
it's becoming an AVA soon. It's a new and upcoming, correct? Yeah, that's correct. There's several wineries out there now. And the big influence, I believe, from the Van Duzer one is that Van Duzer corridor winds that come up in the afternoon from 4 in the afternoon till 8 o'clock at night. Really cools that valley down. Uh, it, again, that the sedimentary soil there is a big factor, too. It's it's rich. You know, the plants want to really grow well in there. And that I think the warmth and the wind kind of suppresses a little bit, too, towards the tail end of the day, which is... So it's, it's a nice fruit, but again, it's lighter colored fruit than in our Delfina and even Aeolia Amity. That's what I was just going to ask you. I mean, what you said, you know, the McMinnville site was more blue fruit. So what is this looking as as far as the Van Duzer even versus the Eola Hills? Yeah. Well, the Van Duzer, it's to me, it's more of the Oregon Pinot type fruit. I mean, it's, you know, we see a lot of dark fruit out there now and, you know, there's a lot of light colored fruit as well, but the, we get a lot of light, light colored tone in our fruit from the, from the Van Duzer or yeah. Willamette Valley, now soon to be Van Duzer. So it's pretty cool. The Amity is really kind of in the middle and the hub of these three different AVAs to where, you know, that's where your winery is. That's where your tasting room is. Um, so you and your family have been very instrumental in being part of the Amity community and really bringing it into being a little wine town. So I want you to touch back on Amity super fast and what you guys are doing and what's really to be expected out there in the near future. Well, I think there's a lot of traction with the old Amity Hills and a lot of upcoming new wineries there. We've had some people from France coming in and we have a lot of California producers coming up to the valley and you know they're all looking for nice things to see and, and amity i think can really provide that because it is the hub of the ola hills and we're excited about it because you know we have been there for almost 30 years now and we're seeing a big change in it you know you can go either way do you like it or you don't but i think it's all about moderation and, and doing it correctly yeah, it definitely has a little bit of a different tone and feel than McMinnville, Carlton, and some of the other little wine areas. I know family is really important to you, so let's touch on your family really quick and um, how they're involved. You bet. Thank you. Um, yeah, we have two boys and two girls, David and Samuel, Stephanie and Jeannie. Uh, when we moved up here and planned the vineyard in 2002, they were real instrumental in helping design and plant and physically work and going through the whole process of that. But since here not too long ago they've all married their significant others except for our youngest daughter she's still she has a significant other now but they've all gone off and doing their dream things right now and they, they helped out tremendously in the growth of our business right now it's fantastic as a parent to see them do that and to to flourish and bloom and, and go about their path of dreams themselves so yeah that's right no yeah. it is it's nice to see your children we now we have 10 grandchildren so what they're doing is doing right they they're yeah. out Holy cow, it's pretty awesome. Yeah, no, it is good. So you guys have a beautiful tasting room and you have a lot of events. So let's touch on that really fast because people really need to come out and see you. Yeah, no, we've got, like I said earlier in the segment that we, it was the old hardware store, Amity Hardware Store. The building was built, I believe, in the early 30s. Uh, we've totally renovated it, reconditioned it all to the natural wood style. Um, we do events throughout the year. We have a Father's Day oyster feed and my famous clam chowder that I prepare we do uh, breakfast in the vineyard uh, annually. Uh, you know, come out to the vineyard and we do big breakfast and mimosas and Pinot Gris. And, and then in December, we bring in a Fado singer, which is a traditional Portuguese music. She comes up from San Francisco. If you've never heard Fado, you really need to stop in and, and listen to that. It's in November, December, generally. It depends on her schedule and how things work out. But yeah, no, we, we do a lot of events throughout the year. And again, you know, we're on the social media, Facebook, Instagram, and all that. You can find out more about that as well. 
Excellent. Well, thanks, Dave, for coming out and visiting with us. And I will be looking forward to stopping in the tasting room soon. You bet. Thank you for having me. Enjoyed it. Thank you. You're listening to the PRP Podcast Co-op on Portland Radio Project at 99.1 in the heart of Portland and streaming worldwide at PRP.fm. Welcome back to Wine Crush, the podcast for wine lovers. Now you'll meet a winemaker whose love of wine is rooted in his Oregon blood. Say hello to Brian Lang of Hazelfern Cellars. Thanks, Brian, for being here with us. Absolutely. Hey, Heidi. Thanks for having us. Yeah, no, I'm super excited for you guys to be here. So when I was out talking with you and your wife uh, a couple weeks ago out at the tasting room, you were talking about your quarter life crisis and how it led you to winemaking. So I'm going to let you kind of run with that. Tell me what exactly that means, because it sounds a little bit scary, but kind of fun all at the same time. Yeah, absolutely. So we, my wife and I started making wine in 2006 and that was in Northeast Portland. And we were making our wine where we get our name from is we're making our wine uh, in Northeast on the former site of Hazelfern farm. So in the 1800s, Hazelfern was a big cattle farm that was owned by the Ladd family. So if you're familiar with Ladd's edition, which is now in the Southeast area of Portland, uh, William Ladd's Northeast Portland farm was called Hazelfern. And so we were living there and on the former site of Hazelfern, making our wine in our basement and fast forward to 2014, when we had our quarter life crisis, we, uh, I, I had a, a cousin who uh, was living over in Hawaii, 27 years old, amazing person, super positive. And uh, I mean, just a super inspiration, someone that we really looked up to. And she was working at a, a farmer's market in Honolulu. And on her first day, working in the tent on the farmer's market and a truck ran over the curb and ran through that tent and, uh, and, and, sh- and she was killed in that accident. So a very, oh, a very tragic accident. So very terrible. And for us, that was a real wake up call. You know, we had been making wine since 06. You know, this was, my cousin was somebody who was, uh, like I said, super positive, such an inspiration, someone who got out and attack life. She was doing what she loved to do. And so for us in that moment, literally that was spring of 2014, Two months later, we purchased our property in Newburgh. and so that was decided, the aha moment. That was the aha moment. So we said, life is extremely short. What are we waiting for? Let's go for it. And so all in, that was our quarter-life crisis that led us out to Newburgh and, and to the Shehala Mountains. Crazy. So I think if you told me right, you guys looked for a long time for the right place and the right area. So why Newburgh? Yeah, so Newburgh is, I do have a lot of family that lives out between Beaverton and, and also Newburgh. And you know, when we started to make wine, I, my cousin went to UC Davis. He took some enology and viticulture work there and our family, we all helped him plant his vineyard in Newburgh, uh, in 2007. And so, you know, we had, we had kind of seen him do that, have other cousins that live in the Newburgh area. Also, because we were coming from Portland, we love the city. We love the food scene that's here in Portland. This is where we like to spend a lot of our time. And so we wanted to be in an area of wine country that was still close to Portland because, again, we were going for it, but it was also, I mean, that was a big lifestyle change Lifestyle change for sure. us, right? Yeah. So, I mean, it was scary. And so we knew that at least if we could be close enough to the city, we weren't totally leaving that behind. And so totally between family sense. and then yeah. also being connected to the Portland community, that was really important to us. Yeah, I know that totally makes sense. And it's really smart at the same time. So I know it's not just you and Laura that's out on the the winery estate. So tell me about the rest of the clan that's out there living and enjoying the farm life. Yeah, so we live out there with our, first of all, two daughters. So our oldest is seven years old. Her name's Adeline. And then our youngest is Ava, A-V-A, so kind of a wine name. And she is four and a half years old. And so we're there with the two of them. Uh, raising them on the farm. And also we have our dog Gus. And then part of our story as well as our, our chickens. So we have right now nine chickens. 
led by a hen named Susie, which you'll see on our website and part of our story. And really that part of our story just represents the idea that we moved from the city. We were literally city slickers moved to the farm. And so those chickens represent that farm life for us. You know, a little I, green I, acres. Yeah, that's section. right. So that's nice. right. And, yes. and like when we first moved there and we were going to plant the vineyard, we purchased our tractor and the tractor was delivered. And I remember, you know, they were the, the company that sold us the tractor was super excited for us to have it. And they dropped it off. And I was literally like, all right, that's amazing. Like, how do I turn it on? And so that, that was a big adjustment to move yeah. to the farm. And so the chickens represent yeah. that. I, I'm super excited to meet Susie. have not met Susie or Gus. And so next time I come out to the winery, I'm going to have to check that out. But we're going to come back in just a second and talk more about your wine. Support for Wine Crush comes from Country Financial Insurance, offering simple steps today to solve big problems tomorrow. For more, go to countryfinancial.com. We left off talking about Susie the chicken, and I know the chickens really lend to the land and the winery and all that kind of stuff. So we don't need to go back and talk more about Susie, but I do want to hear about the wine and what you guys are doing out there and what's different. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, just to mention Susie real quick. So Susie does all of our chickens free range on our property. Our estate vineyard is 100% organic. That's very important to us. All of the vineyards that we work with are either organic or biodynamic. So for us, that winemaking starts out in the vineyard with sustainable uh, vineyard management. Right now, we work with about 10 different vineyards across the valley. So have contracts and, and help farm on those sites. Uh, bring all that fruit back to the winery that's on the property in Newburgh and uh, make the wine in our barn. So we're, we're in a what is a real horse barn just up the it street is, from the Allison. Yeah, it is a super cool barn. I was so blown away when I walked oh, into thanks. the barn. Thank you. Yeah, we can't take credit for it. The family that was there before us actually built it for horses. Uh, they spent three years building it and then got relocated to the East Coast for work. And so the barn's never had an animal in it. And so when we moved there, it is a real horse barn, but uh, super clean. We don't have, you know... Horsey aromatics, <laughs> like, you know, you know, that sure. funky wine stuff. But uh, we love being in the space. It's a beautiful barn. That's where we make all of our wine. So we bring all that fruit from the vineyards into that barn. And every year during harvest, our family, it's uh, my wife, myself, and the kids, we go to town processing all that fruit and making our wine. So as far as our style, it's very inspired by that old world style. So I, I everything that I do is... Yeah, ferment in very small little containers because again I, I learned to make wine in my basement and so I'm approaching this on a very small scale so everything's done by hand all of my ferments are, are managed very very cool temperatures I'm, I'm looking for the complexity that comes with that we don't we don't we're not a big winery we don't have you know big tanks and big fermentation vessels so everything in our place is done like that old world style very hands-on very small batch very small lot so uh, yeah yeah, it was it was really fun being out there and getting the grand tour of the barn. But you had some really lovely wines and really beautiful wines. Thank and you. I'm not typically a big Chardonnay person just because I think I've been used to the big California Chardonnays that is not Oregon style whatsoever. And yours was fantastic. I think I took two bottles home that oh, day. Thank you. Yes. Thank you so much. Yeah. So tell us kind of, you know, what you're doing. You're not just doing Pinot Noir and you're not just doing Chardonnay. I mean, you are kind of mixing things up just a little bit. Yeah. For the most part, our core is Pinot Noir and Chardonnay, of course, mm -hmm. being a Willamette Valley uh, winery. 
Uh, we also make a rosé, which we're all drinking here right now. So that's made from Pinot Noir. So we have the rosé at Pinot Noir, Chardonnay. Uh, we do the Pinot Noir from about four to five different vineyard designates each year. And then every year we also do a big red from Walla Walla. So right now we're about to bottle up our uh, 2016 Syrah. And uh, now we're working with Le Colleen Vineyard up in Walla Walla to get that fruit. And again, we're trying to make that in more of a Pinot maker style. So we're picking a little bit earlier. Uh, I'm, I'm trying to make something that's very food friendly. Food is very important to us. Uh, so not a big, heavy Syrah, you know, like maybe some people are used to coming out of Walla Walla. We're, sure. we're trying to approach that like a Pinot Noir producer. But overall, Rosé, Chardonnay, Pinot Noir, Syrah. And I will add to that. You know, when you tried the Chardonnay, yeah. Chardonnay is absolutely my favorite of that bunch to make. I'm super excited about Oregon Chardonnay. It's my favorite wine to produce. I think as a winemaker, it really allows us to express the type of wine that we want to showcase. And there's so many decisions as a winemaker that we can make that helps to do that. And so Chardonnay, love making it. I love drinking it. Super passionate about it. Chardonnay all day. Yeah, excellent. And this rosé is fantastic. It's a beautiful pink. Thank you so much for bringing it in. It's just such a treat. Of course, yeah, yes. thanks. And did I hear rumors that there was bubbles coming along or there was bubbles at some point? Maybe. We've talked about yeah. it. We've talked I thought about I had it. heard rumors of maybe that. Yeah, absolutely. We are in a very small production area sharing the winery with the tasting room space. And so we love drinking bubbles. So we want to make bubbles. So I'll, I'll just say that. And, and leave it for later. We're, we're thinking about maybe starting yeah. that this year. I don't know. Yeah, bubbles to, to be, be continued. That's yes. Right. Well, we're going to finish off with the wines and we're going to talk about all the cool stuff you're doing out at the winery as well. So stick around for just a few more minutes. Awesome. Yeah. You're listening to the PRP Podcast Co-op on Portland Radio Project at 99.1 in the heart of Portland and streaming worldwide at prp.fm. Let's go back out to the farm and talk about the events because you guys have events that go on and your tasting schedule is a little bit different than what we'd normally see down 99. That's right. So just first of all, from a tasting perspective, we are by appointment. So in the summer, we're open Thursday through Sunday and we live on the farm in a farmhouse. And so we're there with our girls. And so being by appointment just allows us, first of all, to help manage their schedule. But then additionally, we love to be able to sit down you know, with our guests when they come in and be able to share wine over the table. That's why we got into wine. It's to meet new people, to share a, a meal, to share a glass of wine. And so we are by appointment to be able to extend that experience. So Thursday through Sunday, by appointment, uh, seated tastings around a table with either Laura or myself. And uh, the events we do, a backstory is that Laura and I actually met working together. So back in our retail marketing days, we used to uh, work together for Nike, basically. And uh, through that, fell in love with creating events and experiences for people to gather and, and experience. And so for us, events and food are super important. So we have an event coming up always the second week of September. We do a big pre-harvest dinner. And so that's very important to us. We run a big table down the entire length of the barn and uh, usually try and partner with a, a really great chef to do a food and wine pairing dinner. Uh, last year, it was actually really cool. We worked with a chef from New York City, Adriana Urbina. She's the chef at De Maria. Uh, fantastic restaurant. I was actually there this week in New York and uh, she is a Food Network Chop Champion and she flew out and cooked a meal for three days and shared that with folks in our space paired with our wines. And That's it was amazing. really unbelievable. Uh, just an absolute pleasure to work with. And then every spring, so we just had this uh, in May, our kind of our big flagship event is 
we do a, an event called Derby de Mayo. So we, because we're in a horse barn, on the Kentucky Derby Day, we mash Cinco de Mayo with the Kentucky Derby into one big party. Party. That's right. Exactly. So we have bites that are Kentucky inspired by a chef. We usually have a out back. We'll do a you know a taco bar type thing in the old stables. We always have live music. So last year was actually a mariachi band. This year was a more bluegrass focused band. And then inside, we do a whole bunch of different games where you can win tickets to bet on horses. And then ultimately, the derby runs, and then we give away prizes that go with those bets that people place. So food, wine, events, that type of experience inside the barn, that's what we love to do. And that, that's the experience we like to extend. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. Yeah, and, and the Derby to Mayo event is so much fun because that's an event where we get to have a lot of fun as well, which you know a lot of times is not usually we're working the events. And so... For that one, it ends up being so much fun because we're getting to kind of, you know, partake with the guests, bet on horses, play the games, you know, enjoy the music. So that one's, it's a lot of fun. But yeah. uh, you're really looking forward to that pre-harvest dinner in September. Yeah, that sounds like a, a lot of fun. So, I mean, are there tickets available? Do they need to check out the website? I mean, what are, how do people get there? Yeah, so right now we are working on confirming our chef for September. And then once we have that, uh, tickets will be available through hazelfern.com. And for us, a big platform that really feeds most of what we do is Instagram. That's our favorite way to, to share our story and share our happening. So please follow us on Instagram. Certainly there will be updates uh, through that channel. Our handle on Instagram is at Hazelfern Sellers. And uh, that's really the best place to keep up to date with the news, the events, and the happenings of what's going on at Hazelfern. Yeah, you guys have a really fun feed. I, I follow it. I look at it. I think we've seen Susie the chicken yeah, that's on right. there and yeah. Gus the dog. So yeah, definitely a fun feed to follow. You can tell you guys love what you do and you know, probably even the marketing background doesn't help yeah, or hurt. That, yeah, yes, that's right. Yes. Yeah, that doesn't hurt. Yes. And and I'm also excited because coming into Harvest is when we really get involved on Instagram. So last year during Harvest, we were basically live on Instagram every single night, just walking people through the process. And it was so fun to interact with people and, and share with them a behind the scenes. So with Harvest quickly approaching here. Yeah, uh, time's ticking. A, yeah, that's, yes, it is. Yeah. Quickly. <laughs> yes. Well, I am excited to see what comes through with Harvest. I can't wait to look at the live videos and the pictures and everything. And I am very grateful that you have driven out here from the beautiful valley to join us today. Thank you, Brian. Yeah, thanks so much. Thank you for joining us for the seventh episode of Wine Crush. Have a great weekend, and we will see you at the bottom of the glass. Yeah, I had way too many chickens growing up. Okay. Daniel, no blooper reel. Yeah. <laughs>